I don't have, so you may have suspected that I'm not preaching this morning. Um, we have our guest lecturer at His Hill this week, Graham Stanford, who will be preaching for me. Graham's been a, um, a guest speaker at our Thanksgiving conference a couple of times in the past. Really appreciate him a lot. He's been involved in the ministry of torchbearers for many, many years. Has his own ministry um, called Sports Reach, where they... Uh, he has um, soccer teams that play soccer matches throughout various areas of Europe, and they use that as a venue for um, sharing the gospel after the, those matches are over, and they've seen countless people come to faith in Christ over the years all across Europe through that ministry. So it's a great privilege to have him with us, and he's asked that I read from Isaiah 61, 1-3, so if you would stand and I will, will read. Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. So they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. I'll pray. Lord Jesus, we do thank you so much for all that we have in Christ. And God, our eyes are on you to teach us, to minister to us, to correct us, to bring about your work in our lives, God, as, as you alone know that we need. We thank you for all that you've given us in Jesus. We thank you for your word. And God, we pray for your ministry to us now as we hear your word, that you would speak to us. And we thank you, God, um, for your willingness to communicate yourself to us. In Jesus' name, amen. May we see you. morning. It's great to be in Texas. Uh, super. Uh, I, I have been here before, I believe. I preached here the, the time I came for the conference. I think I preached here once before. Some of you may recognize me uh, from that long distance time. But I'm from England, as it's been said. I'm normal. <laughs> and uh, it's lovely to be here. And, and I haven't got a tie on this morning. Okay, there are, there are reasons for that. I mean, in England, we know there's a big cultural change. Now, we preachers, up till several years ago, we, we dare not go into a pulpit with, with, without a tie. I mean, you could, be, you, could, you, could be, you could be burnt at the stake, you know. <laughs> uh, it was, it was different. But, but the old cultures, even our news, if you put the BBC news on, you'll see that some of our news readers don't have ties on, you know. And, and now... Probably 90% of the churches that I go to, you don't have to have a tie on. That's great for me. Uh, and, uh, it, it, you know, I, I came to Phoenix uh, quite a good time ago and preached in the South before. And they took me out for dinner. And I went to a restaurant in Phoenix that if you wore a tie, they would cut it off and hang it on the ceiling. 
And in this restaurant, I looked around at all these ties that had been cut off. So uh, I noticed Todd was, uh, I still had a tie on this morning. You want to watch out, Todd. Somebody will come with one, some scissors one day. You never know here. Uh, get, you know, but uh, it's, uh, it, 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 it's great to be, have the freedom. <laughs> and I, I noticed, I mean, when I was watching the service develop, I noticed all the guys who was taking the communion, not one of them had a tie on, you know. So there is liberty. Ah, well, call it liberty. <laughs> but uh, it's great. It's great to be here. I, yeah, I'm involved in sports ministry and torchbearers' work, and uh, I've loved doing that over the years, uh, coming around uh, different torchbearer centers uh, in North America and in Europe, and also doing my soccer ministry, which, of course, I love. I'm a soccer-crazy Englishman, all right? Uh, I was uh, converted through really sport. Uh, it was in 1958. Those of you who uh, will remember 19, some of you will. 1958. You'll work my age out soon. But in 1958, I was a teenager. I won't tell you how old I was. But uh, it was because somebody invited me to a youth group that played indoor soccer that I first heard the gospel as a young teenager and gave my life to Christ in my teens. Uh, and, um, and, and so it was being soccer crazy, it was natural. And I think it was Jill Briscoe who said to me one day, Graham, you soccer to share the gospel. And of course, one of the privileged to do that. I think our work, which now I'm no longer director of, now I've let it free, I'm still involved with it though. Uh, and I believe we're in eight different countries this year. Uh, going around sharing the gospel. And then we have a soccer camps for kids right through our summer. I've just survived that, uh, a summer of soccer camps, uh, playing with kids and sharing the gospel with children from 7 to 14. And everywhere we went, we saw kids come to Christ. It was a great summer. And so it's a great means. Uh, how are we going to reach the guys? I mean, lots of them in England, 90%, uh, over 90% of young people don't go to church in England. You know, well over 90% now. So... Uh, they ain't going to come to our Sunday schools, so we've got to go where they are. And uh, that is what uh, I've had the privilege of developing, and, uh, and it's been a great way of, of reaching the, the unchurched guys. Well, um, it's great, great to be here. And I'd like to uh, uh, speak on uh, that reading that Char Charlie was uh, good enough to bring to us from Isaiah 61. <coughs> Verses 1 to 3. And uh, th th those words that Charlie read were the words that, I, uh, that Christ quoted from the book of Isaiah. When, right at the beginning of his ministry. And he was there and uh, he said, this is what my ministry is all about. That's basically what he was saying uh, as he was asked. It was probably the given reading uh, in the synagogue for the day. And he, he, he picked it up read it, and then said, this is what I've come to do, basically. Uh, and uh, uh, this is, of course, uh, my title that I've given the message is uh, The Ministry of Christ Today. This is exactly what Jesus is doing today on this planet. And so it's, it's an exciting uh, um, truth that I want to share with you this morning. It's really the manifesto of Christ to a needy world. It declares in this short passage some of the great needs of men and women and how Christ can meet those needs. So I thought it would be good this morning just to, to look at it 
Uh, and maybe some of the areas that I cover may not be relevant to you. Some of them might, so hang on, okay? The next one might just be the right one for you, okay? So let's have a look at, at, at um, this, this great uh, passage of Scripture. It said, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is uh, on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. So the first work here of Christ uh, and what he's doing, of course, today is bringing good news to people. Uh, exciting news. In fact, I would dare to call it and very gladly describe it as the most exciting and thrilling news that a human being could ever hear. I really believe that. I, I'm an evangelist, and one of my jobs is to go around basically telling people good news. So I love doing it. You know, I love to see people smiling and grasping truth that, that is good for their lives and, and is exciting news. We had a team, we played in Austria, we were playing football there, and uh, we were playing the top team in Austria. It, not, sorry, not top team, the top team in the area we were at, Sladmin. And uh, what, we had to go, go for dinner. Uh, after the game, very quick appointment, so I, we just we gave a message, but then we had to dash to get, but I left the guy, so we, I felt it was a bit impolite, and I left the guy there to, uh, you know, to talk to the players after they had the showers, uh, who could speak German, and um, the, he came back, he said, you know, I, I had a good chat with the guys after you, sh you guys shot off, he said, in fact, when they came out of the showers, they said, oh, we've been in those showers and we've been talking about your team. We'd played them once or twice before. He said, we've given them a name. And uh, they said, They're, we call them the joy people. I thought that was brilliant because we, we, we just try to put a bit of joy in their lives, you know, uh, sharing, of course, this good news that we have to do. Um, and, of course, the good news that Jesus was talking about was really the work that he has come to do, to enter our lives, to change our lives, to transform our lives, to bring blessing to our lives, to, 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 to put something in our lives that gives us power to live, power to be all that God wants us to be. And so I am very, very excited to be, have the privilege as an evangelist to go around just simply to footballers and, of course, in churches and wherever I go, I've got fantastic news. So I hope you're going to say, oh, another step. Now you've got good news. I've got some good news for you today, okay? So get excited about it. The gospel is good news. And we sometimes forget that. But it really is really, really exciting vital news. I love to go to young people. I love to be in young people's groups and, and just stand there with these kids who are looking for life and looking for a meaning, looking for a purpose, and just to show them what Christ can do for their lives, how he can enter their lives and transform them. So it's, uh, it's great. And as I say, it's been great to do it with sport. Our soccer school, it's lovely when you see a little boy. We see, one guy says, um, came to me, one of our staff, he, said, he, he was so thrilled, so excited. He says, little Johnny, who was at the, so I don't think his name was Johnny, but we'll call him Johnny. Little Johnny's just come up to me. He looked me in the face. He said, I have asked Jesus to come into my life today. And he was so thrilled. It's lovely to see young folk do that. And uh, that's, uh, he had the good news. He responded to it. He let Christ enter his life. Now, isn't that good? You know, I, I would say there's nothing more exciting and more relevant for a, a human being on this planet to open up their lives and let Jesus come in. Can you tell me anything better that could happen to a young guy? Nothing better. 
Some of these kids, you know, they've come to Christ, and some of them, after they've done it at the soccer school, I've heard this from a parent. said, I can't believe it. Our little Johnny came home, and he cleaned his bedroom. <laughs> she needed smelling salts. You know, she nearly fainted when, when he went in his bedroom, and it was absolutely smart. And that's what Jesus had done in a, a little practical way for that little boy. It made him, you know, a blessing in the home. And, uh, of course, you just think of what's going to happen in this, as he grows up. He's going to be a better son. He's going to be a better man when he becomes a man. He's going to, you know, do something for society. There's going to be that power, that, that presence of a living Christ, active in his life. There's nothing better that could happen to a human being than to receive Christ. Uh, and so it, it's good news. The second thing that I want to say, it goes on, this is another right relevant in today's world. It says, to heal the brokenhearted. He has sent me to bind up, it says, the brokenhearted. To heal broken lives. Um, we live in a world where there are many broken lives and broken hearts. Because those of us, another thing a preacher does is bumping into them all the time. Lives that have, have been spoiled. Lives that have been broken. They're in a bit of a mess. Of course, not what God wanted them to be, not what he created them to be, but sin somehow has got a grip and has messed up their lives. And they live, they're there with broken... Christ comes. This is great. This is, this is, we were, you know, our theme is, what does Jesus do? What is he doing in today's world? Well, let me tell you what he's doing. He's healing broken hearts. He's, he's touching lives that are broken... And he's repairing them. And that's his great ministry. He's the great repairer of life. Now, some of you here today, that's relevant today. I, let me, you know, I like to look at guys. I like to look at your faces. You look great here in Texas, by the way. And I like to say, you know, if any way, there could be those, some lives here that have been broken and hurt, damaged by just living in this world. And you're hurting this morning. You, 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 there's a, a breakage there. Well, fantastic. We're talking about good news, you know. Well, isn't this good news that Christ can actually repair your life? It can make you all the blessing that God wanted you to be. It can do something wonderful in your life. Um, I think there's that verse, that I think uh, of that verse where it says that... Um, let me see if I have it here. He makes up the years the locust has eaten away. That's a great verse, isn't it? He, he makes up, it's one of the minor prophets, I can't remember which one, um, but he makes up the years the locust has eaten away. And um, I can remember one day I was uh, stood at a funeral of a young, uh, I was stood right next to the young mother who very, had a young child, only I can't remember how long, this is quite a time ago. But it was a matter of weeks and the child had died. And you, you, I mean, those of you who were mums, you can know what a devastating term that is. And there was this lady right next to me, she obviously was tears as they were lowering the coffin into the grave. There was tears flowing from that life. And, and what, what, what I often feel in, in sometimes when I find myself in, what on earth do you say? You know, sometimes I'm lost for words. I, I'd want to help, I want to comfort. And I thought, what can I say to this lady? There she is, there's a, a child. And, 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 and as I was there, all of a sudden, flashing in my mind, there was something that an old farmer 
had said to me many years, many years before this time, this old farmer said that his, um, his brother had died quite suddenly. And he said that at the funeral, there was a famous preacher called Samuel Chadwick. He's a great Methodist preacher in England. And Samuel Chadwick was doing the service. And he, he walked across to this, young, this farmer friend. This, this farmer friend never forgot. He said, he put his arm on me. And he, he only said two, two short phrases. He said, he put his arm on me and he said, you will smile again. And that came flying in my mind. So I put my arm on this lady in tears. And I said, you'll smile again. And then I just, you know, walked away. Several years later, I met her again in Carnforth, my town. And she had such a smile on her face as she greeted me. She said, Graham, do you remember what you said at the funeral of my little girl? And I, I couldn't remember definitely. And then she said, I'll tell you what you said. <laughs> you said, you'll smile again. And she looked at me and said, I did, I did, I did. And, uh, you know, what had happened? Well, there was a broken heart. And I'll tell you what had happened to it. It had been healed by Jesus. And he heals the broken heart. He can rebuild your life. He can get hold of the damage and deal with it completely. He can put a joy back into that life. That's his ministry. That, that is what Jesus is doing. That's what he longs to do. We, we sometimes, you know, the, the thing is this. This is absolutely key. He, can, he only mends broken lives that bring them to him. You've got to bring that life. To the Lord Jesus. Um, thirdly, what does Christ do? He gives good news. He heals broken hearts. And thirdly, he sets prisoners free. This is the most liberating force in the world. It's to proclaim freedom for the captives. To release from darkness prison, prisoners. It comes to places of darkness where we may be in the grip of sin that holds us in bondage. And the reason he comes to us, he says, basically, I've got something to proclaim to you. I've got something to proclaim right into your heart. He said, I want to set you free. That's what he's proclaiming. That's his message. I want to set you free. Um, when Christ comes, chains are broken. Captives are set free. Um, uh, uh, and completely liberates. Now, let me just tell you some of, just, just one or two of the things that can get a grip of our lives. Uh, and sometimes it needs a, a power of the greatest force to set us free from. Let me just suggest one, the grip of alcohol. It's not popular nowadays uh, in the, our liberated church, churches to, to speak against alcohol. You know, but I want to say this. Whatever, you know, the, the big debate, should you drink, shouldn't you drink? Listen, I want to say this. I want to say absolutely clear. Fact. Alcohol is wrecking countless lives in our young people, in our old people. That's a fact. Um, it says in uh, Proverbs, and this is still a truth today. We need to, you know, in the debate, let me just throw this one in from the book of Proverbs. What wisdom that's what it's all about. Wine is a mocker. Beer a brawler. And then it says this. Whoever is led astray by them is not wise. And you know, I've got to preach that in churches. 
You say, oh, go and preach that to your football guys. You know, they need to hear that. Listen, I need to preach alcohol. I know a dear lady now. I'm thinking of her right now. I can picture her face. She was a person of absolute sincerity. She was uh, uh, went to church every Sunday. And she had most of, since she was converted, she'd gone regularly to church. She loved the Bible, went to prayer meetings. In fact, there was a prayer meeting in her home. And uh, she had a, a, a neighbour. She just uh, she got to the old age stage. In the, uh, she was in this little place, little older play, old age house that she had. And she, she, there's a lady there. She thought she'd befriend her. And she went into her house and she said, would you like a glass of wine? Well, she wanted to. So she just had a glass of wine. She didn't drink a lot or anything like that, but she just... And then she had an, went and got another glass of wine, another, and slowly, so, so slowly, gradually, it got a grip of her. And it, it began to mess her life up. And there she was, such a, you know, so, so innocent. So, you know, but there alcohol got a hold of her life. And, um, and she needed setting free from that. Um, so, so Christ, uh, maybe there'll be somebody here who's maybe struggling with alcohol right now. And I've got some great news for you. Jesus wants to set you free. Let me give you another one that uh, we feel with the, today. And again, it's something I've got to preach in churches and Bible schools. I'm around Bible schools a lot. I would suggest to you one of the biggest areas of going, uh, that I've got to deal with now going around Bible schools that people come and sometimes share is the grip of pornography. I can so easily get a hold of them. I was preaching in Canada uh, several years ago now. I was preaching in Canada. And one of the elders of the church came to me. I'd just finished preaching. He said, would you like to come to my house uh, for, for a cup of tea? Uh, and uh, I'd like a little chat with you. And I said, well, I won't come for I don't drink tea. I'm one of the really weird Englishmen that don't drink tea. But I'll have a, a, I'll have a glass of orange juice. And so I went round. He got me a glass of orange juice. I sat on the settee and... Um, he says to me, I, 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 well, actually, I said to him, because I knew there was a problem. I said, what's the problem? And he just went like that with his finger. And he pointed to his, his, his computer. He says, I've got a problem. I've got into pornography. I can't break it. And it's so, it's so easy. It, it's, uh, it, it can, you know, can quickly move from fascination to assassination. It can, it can move from just exploration to um, addiction, and um, and uh, it, it's so easy. I, I follow a certain football team. I won't tell you because you wouldn't know it even if I mentioned it. But it was a certain football team in England. I sometimes look on the web page to see who the signing in new players and things like that. And all I have got to do is just after the, it's all the news about my team. There's one button, and that immediately I touch that button, I could be right into the world of pornography. It's so easy. And, uh, you know, there are folk who are, are falling in this way. And it's, it, it's messing our lives up. It, it, it's, it can get a grip. So easily get a grip from fascination to getting a grip on our lives until it becomes a habit. And you can't get away. I want you to know, and I've got good news this morning, Christ wants to set you free. I'll tell you why he does. It's making you unclean. That's why it is. It's messing your life up. It, it, it can affect your marriage. I'm thinking right now, as I say, that I have a couple 
whose own marriage was ruined because she found, the wife, found a, a pornographic book underneath the mattress in the house. And it eventually wrecked the marriage. It's so easy. And uh, pornography, you can fall to it. Christ, of course, sets us free. You can't do it yourself. Some people try. Oh, I wish I were different. I do my best. I'm not going to do it anymore. How long does that resolve me? Last not very long. But when you allow, open it up to Jesus, you know, the first thing that, that Jesus says to somebody who's struggling, his first word is stop it. You, it it's totally inconsistent to the Christian life. It, it, it's spoiling your testimony. It's making your life in the sight of God unclean. And Jesus, in his love and his tenderness, he doesn't come with a, you know, accusation or anything like that. He comes, he says, I need to set you free. Would you let me do it? And then, of course, there's another area. Let me just mention the last one in this section. The grip of lust. Uh, you, you can be slip away so easily into immoral living. I'm thinking, I've just... I, I've just um, one of my grandchildren, she's 18, so that dates me, has just gone to university. And I can think back to when my children went to university. And the sort of things they were telling me about what went on down the corridors, the acid party, next room to my daughter's uh, in Hull University. They were sleeping around along the corridor, people just sleeping around. And, uh, and it's so easy to get sucked into this culture of hedonism and allow our lives to be messed up. So easy. And again, as I say, um, Christ can set you free. Not only does he come again as a, with a heavy acquisition, of course it's wrong. You, you're not intended by God to sleep around. Keep yourself for one person. This is one of the most beautiful thing in marriage. As you're going, I can think of when I got down the aisle, and the, the, I was just look, I, looking in the eyes of my wife as I made the vows. And I knew as she looked at me, she just kept herself for my life. And as I looked at her, I, I could say today that I kept myself just for her. And it was so special. It, and, and as I look back at the temptations, the, you know, how easy it could have been. To have gone the other way. And yet, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ comes to us, whether we've blown it and already messed up, or whether we're battling with it right now, the Lord Jesus comes and he says, I want to set you free. I want to lovingly deliver you. He, we sing our old hymn, I don't know whether you're Sing it over here, but let, let me give you a good old English hymn. It's got this phrase. He breaks the power of cancelled sin. He sets the prisoner free. And many can say with John Wesley, my chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. This is the ministry of Christ. It says this in the Gospel of John. I tell you the truth. In other words, Jesus says, I'm going to tell you what's absolutely true. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. And then he goes on to say this. 
So if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Maybe today somebody in one of the areas that I've just mentioned, Christ, what does he want to do today? He wants to totally, completely set you free because he loves you. And he's just waiting for you to let him do it. Let him do it with your life. Let me go on to the fourth. To comfort all that mourn. This is the most compassionate work in the whole world. It, it, it's the lovely way how, how Christ comforts. That word comfort's a beautiful word, actually. It, uh, the Greek word is parakleos. Uh, and it means, there's a lovely meaning, it means coming alongside. Coming right where you are. Coming right along your side. Coming very close to you. And then with his wonderful omnipotent power. Strengthening you. Helping you to do all what he wants you to do. Um, uh, 2 Corinthians 1.3 says, Praise be God the Father of our Lord Jesus. The Father of compassion. The God of all comforts. Who comforts us in all our troubles. Um, I can remember in my own life uh, when uh, there's some hard things that we've got to go through in life. We've all, we've all got them, different ones. One of the hard things was I was when we were expecting our fourth child. And I went along, of course, up till I'd always been away when it was the 12th week of the pregnancy. Now, in England, I don't know, the 12th week you have the, uh, the, the, the x-ray or whatever they call it, uh, the, the child in the womb. And I'd, uh, this was the first one of four that I, I was at the hospital. And I was sat there waiting. My wife went in to get this uh, x-ray thing that they do. And I sat down and I was waiting to hear, was well, it going to be a boy? You know, is it going to be a girl? You know how you feel like that? And then all of a sudden, down came the doctor that had seen my wife. And um, I'm sorry, I've lost this uh, in my... Uh, the doctor came down and uh, said, Mr. Stanford, I have some sad news. The child in the womb has died. That was devastating. Uh, we went home and they said, you'll have to bring Vivian in, in three days' time. We're going to have to remove the child. And uh, it was three days before Christmas. So it's a difficult time. I can remember being sat at the table, my wife, we, were, we just got back from the other. My wife was at one side, I was here. We just looked across at each other. We didn't say a word. There was a silence. We were numbed. And then there was a knock on the door. And we went to the door and a lady brought a hot pot and just put it on the table and went out. And as she put that hot pot there, it does tremendous sense of Jesus just being there. Graham, Viv, I'm going to stand with you. At this time, I'm going to come alongside you. I'm going to help you. I can remember, well, Viv told me this as well. Going back, one other story about my dear wife. Um, she uh, was in labor with the, the, uh, the first child uh, in our marriage. And um, she was taken into the uh, maternity hatchet room, whatever it is, where they put you. Um, and uh, she was put there and... Uh, um, she, she, I mean, I often say, I mean, I don't know, ladies, you'll, you'll, have, you'll have to forgive me for this, but I always say that men, are, it's much harder for a man, you know, 
than the women. You see, lady just laid back there in, in, in the hospital bed, nurses bringing cups of teas, everybody's all around you, it's all exciting. Us poor guys, we're walking up and down, we, we were stressed out, you know. And uh, anyway, you, you may disagree. But then, of course, um, my wife was right in the... F- uh, and, uh, and she had one hand in the air like this while she was going through labour. And the midwife came to her and said, what, what's your hand doing like that? She said, I'm holding on to the Lord, you know. He was so close to her. He'd come alongside, even in labour. She could hold his hand. I can remember, too, uh, the, now the director of our work is a guy called uh, Will Marsden, director of Sports Reach Today. His wife is Sue. And um, Sue is an amazing woman. She, she, um, she never played football. And then all of a sudden, because her husband became involved in football, she started playing soccer. And she started playing against men. And, uh, and then, of course, uh, she developed, of course, um, very sadly, she got breast cancer. And uh, it, it, uh, it was a devastating time for her. And um, um, she was, uh, her daughter was at Cape and Ray Bible School. And when she heard of what was happening to her mum, she sent her a verse. This is what the verse of scripture from Isaiah 41 that she sent. You are my servant. I have chosen you and not cast you away. Fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. For the Lord your God will hold your right hand, saying, Fear not, I will help you. And there she was going through. She, she had the operation. She had the removal of the breast. Um, she, um, she had then to go and visit the, um, the um, surgeon after the operation. And she writes in a little booklet that she wrote about cancer and me, she writes about going into the consultant's office to find what the treatment she would need after her operation. And this is what she writes. As I walked into the consultant's office that morning with Will holding my left hand and God holding my right hand, I did not fear. And uh, it's an amazing thing that after that, just recently after when she was told that she had to go, uh, started a, a chemotherapy, she came on tour with the men. And she started playing. She had no air. The, the chemo had taken there. She had nails dropping out. And she was running after footballs and sharing, you know, the gospel with people. It was an amazing testimony. If you can ever get hold of the booklet, Cancer and Me, uh, I usually carry some around with me. But it's an amazing story. And she, she spoke to the students at uh, Townoff Bible School. They the, the were almost in tears. The, as they, she, she brought a big bag. She put it on the platform, uh, on, the, on the podium. And she said, these are the tablets that I've got to take now. And then she walked on and what Jesus had met. That he'd come alongside her. That he held her hand. That he was with her. He comes alongside us. And... Um, and ministers to us. But, 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 but what does he do? You know, it's, it's nice, that's a nice thought that Jesus comes in here, but what exactly is he trying to do with our lives when he comes alongside? Well, there's three things I just want to mention here. And they're beautiful. It says this, to, to those he bestows on them. So this is something he's going to do. This, this is going to put on them, bestows on them, it says. He bestows. 
instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. The garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. He takes three things away and he brings three things to the life that he comes to minister to. Uh, What a wonderful phrase that first one is. A crown of beauty instead of ashes. Some of us might feel that we're in ashes in our life. And the the lovely thing about Jesus, he comes to us, he looks at the ashes, he says, I'm going to take those away. And and, and I'm going to do something a bit more for you as well. I'm not just going to take the ashes away. I'm going to put a crown on your head. It's a crown of beauty. Um, A crown of beauty. It's going to do something beautiful for your life. You can look up again. You can get out of those ashes. And and, and basically, using um, theology here, truth, when I use the word theology, what, what he absolutely does, he takes away everything that's sinful, every stain that sin has done on us, every bit of mess, uh, totally away. The ashes go. And then in its place, he puts upon our lives. There we stood. First of all, we think, wow, all that stain, all those ashes have gone now. And then he puts the crown of his righteousness. He makes you as beautiful as Jesus in his sight. The perfect righteousness is your new dress. It's your new crown that's now on your head. It's beautiful. And it's for every believer. That's what he was doing on the cross. People only preach half the message on the cross. Come to Jesus and get forgiven. And of course, that's gloriously true. But the other half of the cross is, yeah, come to Jesus and let him put righteousness in your life. And the crown and the beauty of dignity and purity crown, the very righteousness of Christ. So God looks on your life and he doesn't see the ashes anymore. He sees the beauty of his son. That's the gospel. That's the gospel that I preach. That's why it's so good news. That's why, you know, we're talking about it being good. Isn't that good news? Some of us have messed up. I've messed up in my life. I've done things I greatly regret, but they're gone. We used to sing in my old Bible class an old song, gone, gone, gone. Yes, my sins are gone, buried in the deepest sea. That is good enough for me. Gone, gone, gone. Yes, my sins are gone. But not only is they gone, but now in my account, in my spiritual account, imputed there is the perfect righteousness of Christ, the mine. He has put them upon me. He's bestowed them to me. Uh, So... That's beautiful work of Jesus today. Secondly, the oil of gladness instead of mourning. He brings joy instead of mourning. Sadness goes when Jesus comes. And the oil there is a symbol, of course, of the Holy Spirit. Joy is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And it's this what he's going to produce. He'll get you singing again. Um, You remember the story of David, uh, uh, that great Psalm 40, one of my favorite psalms is Psalm 40. And and really, this puts it beautifully, he's giving of his experience. You remember he had a a tragic moral collapse in his life. And um, he he says this, and look at the phraseology he uses here. It's a metaphor, of course. He lifted me out of a slimy pit, out of the mud, out of the mire, He set my feet on a rock, 
He gave me a firm place to stand. He's put a new song in my mouth. A hymn of praise to our God. He's singing again. What has God done? He's done three things. Number one, there he was describing his life. He said, my life, I've just fallen into a bit of a pit. It's muddy. It's dirty. It's stinky. And I've fallen in it. And in the midst of all the mess, I tell you what I did. I called out to the Lord. I cried to him. Will you come to me in my pit? And of course, all SOS messages are heard in heaven. <laughs> and it, he said, do you, know what, do, you know what, do you know what the Lord did? He, this is the first thing he does, he lifted me out. He got me out of the mess. He got me out of the pit. He, he, he lifted me. It was his power. It was his sovereign strength that got hold of my life. I was there in the pit. I'd messed my life up. I was in the stink of sin. And then he stooped into the pit where I stood. And he got hold of me. And he lifted me totally out. That is is the ministry of Christ. Secondly, what else did he do? He put me on a rock. Took me out and didn't just leave me on the edge. He took me out. He said, now stand there. And this is a wonderful spiritual Christian truth. We're on a rock now. We stand on firm ground. We don't slip when you're on a rock. You stood solid. You won't let you slip there again if you stand on the rock, which is Christ, of course. You know, what a great thing for a young man, a young woman, an older person, is to say, I'm going to rest my whole life on the rock of Christ. That's where I stand. That's where grace has brought me. That's where I belong now. I'm stood on Christ. And therefore, I'm stood there. I have all his strength, all his love, all his power, all for my life. I stand on that rock. I'm on Christ. And that's where God wants us all to stand. And then not only that. The third thing he does, not only put, lifts you out, not only stands you on a rock, third thing, don't miss the third thing, put a new song in my, I'm singing again. I've got a bit of a song. I wake up in the morning, I want to sing. And it's a song of the soul, the song of a soul set free. We get out of the mire into the choir. <laughs> All right. I pinched that from Stephen Alford, okay, when he came and preached on this psalm at Cape and Ray. Out of the, he called this sermon, out of the mire, into the choir. Are you in the choir yet? Okay, well, he said, you know, trust Christ, and that's what he'll do for you. Get you singing. One of the signs to me of a, of a Christian is that they don't need a worship leader to, to get them singing. It, it's sort of, it's there. It's in the heart. It's the joy of the Lord that is our strength. And, um, and that's what he does. He makes us glad and singing again. And then, um, so, it, it, then as praise instead of despair, the third one, a garment of praise instead of despair. Despair, uh, I looked it up in the dictionary, so I'd get it absolutely right for you this morning. Okay, so I've been in the uh, Oxford Dictionary. Okay, I think it was the Oxford. The comp- despair, it said, the complete loss and absence of hope. Is there anybody saying this morning, is there any hope for me? Um, I remember uh, preaching in Preston. <laughs> and uh, there was a lady there, and she'd messed her life up terribly. She was alcoholic. She had um, moved away from her husband. She'd lived around a little bit. And, uh, and her life was an absolute mess. Uh, and, and I preached a very simple gospel message 
And uh, then I was at the door, as I will be today, or roundabout, and she, I was shaking hands, and she came up to me. And she said, and I said, um, she said, you know, Graham, he won't come to me. That's what she said. I said, what do you mean? She said, he won't come to me. And so, like being a good preacher, you know what I said? Oh, yes, he will. You know what she said? Oh, no, he won't. And we got up, we stood at the door like, like it's a ping pong match, you know. Yes, he will. No, he won't. So I said, you know, I, 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 was, I was fired up because I was praying. Yes, he will. I said, no, he won't. She said, so, and, and I don't know to this day, I don't often say this, but I looked her right in the eye and I just said this to her. What is your name? I didn't know it. That's why I asked the question. What's your name? Do you know what she said? Grace. I said, do you know what it means? She says, no. I said, I'm going to tell you what grace means. I tell you what grace, although you don't deserve it, because you've been telling me you don't deserve God to do anything, but you've messed up and you don't deserve it. That's true. But listen, that word, your name, grace, means is going to do something for you you don't deserve. That you're not worthy of. But he's going to do it because he's a God of grace. And that lady went home. That afternoon, she knelt down and received Christ. And she started coming to that church regular every week. She discovered what her name meant. And, you know, somebody might be saying, well, you know, can, can, can all what you say happen? Can Christ come to my life? Can he change me? Can he, me? can he make my life a blessing? Can he put a song in my heart? Yes, yes, he can. And on this ground, he is a God of grace. Grace. And he says, this is what it says, a despair, despair, a garment of praise instead of despair. When Jesus comes, despair goes. The last thing that I want to say, you say, okay, I'm going to bring my life to Jesus. I'm going to totally follow him. I'm going to truly turn away from what's wrong and I'm going his way. That's a great moment in anybody's life. What will become of me? I love the last phrase in this reading that Christ read out in the temple, uh, in the, sorry, in the synagogue that day at the beginning of Luke's gospel. This is what it says. This is what will happen to the lions. This is what it says. They will be called. This is what they'll be called from now on. They will be called, listen to this, beautiful, oaks of righteousness. A planting of the Lord. What for? For the display of his splendor. Oaks are strong trees. We've got a lot of them in England. They're beautiful. They stand erect. They stand strong. There's a dignity about the oak tree. It's one of our most famous trees in England is the oak. Absolutely strong, rooted deep in the ground. Stands there. You look at it. There's dignity there. And Christ uses that oak phrase to say, that's what you'll become. You'll be able to stand with dignity. You'll be able to stand with purity. You'll be stand with, with, with such a, a wonderful strength in your life. You'll be known as an oak tree. That's what I'm going to make you. That's what he's saying here. And then he says, oh, I've got a fantastic purpose for the rest of your life. A great purpose. And it's for everyone, every Christian here. You just, just grasp this because this is the purpose you're on this planet. He says this. A planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. 
Now, this is, this is beautiful. He, he wants to put his life, the saving life of Christ, into your life. So your life will display to everybody who looks on you, they'll see something beautiful. They'll see splendor. The actual, absolute splendor of the Lord. You know the lovely verse in the book of Colossians, and it says this, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And as Christ comes in you and shares his life with you, he lives his life. What Christianity is, is a 24-hour-a-day job. It's 24 hours a day. You, with your life, letting Jesus alive, living in you, through your life. When you go home, he wants to live and bless your kids. When you go home, you meet your wife, he wants to bless your wife. When you go to work and there's all your colleagues, he wants to display splendor to them as he lives out through your life. And Christianity becomes a glorious, a glorious adventure. I just love getting on a plane and landing somewhere. And when I, just, I have a very simple prayer when I, wherever I land, you know. Lord Jesus, what are you going to do today through a weak vessel like me? I just want you to display your glory. And it's exciting. I think of what this church could be if the whole fellowship was said, we've got one passion, one desire to see the splendor of the Lord shining through our lives wherever we go. That is New Testament Christianity. That is the ministry of Jesus today. That's what he's about. That's what he's trying to do. That's, that's what his work is. I wonder how much of that work is going on in your life. And uh, some of you today, let me just finish with this little word of application. There may be some of you who just need to know the good news. You're, you're, you're maybe not yet a Christian. I never now. I was talking to Charlie in the car coming. I never now assume that everybody in the fellowship that I preach in are born-again Christians. In a service like this, there could well be somebody who, who just exploring, just trying to find out about this Christianity, about Jesus. Is it real? Uh, I've written a little book, uh, which I've got a copy on, called The Greatest Life on the Planet. And that is exactly what it is. And, and, and listen, I want to say to you, if, if you're not a Christian, I've got fantastic news. J just all, but I've kept the best news right till the end, okay? The, listen, the best news, okay, for you is listen to this. Today, the Lord Jesus wants to come into your life. He wants to save you. He wants to bless you. He wants to take away all the past that's been wrong. He wants to make, give you a new start. If anybody be in Christ, he becomes a new creation. You need to come to Christ today. And I'm going to give you a prayer at the end. And listen, you can do that. In this service, you can receive the Lord Jesus Christ into your life. So what does he want to do? He wants to bring good news. He wants to heal broken lives. There may be somebody here who said, look, Graham, thank you for speaking on that. My life is broken. I want it repairing. I'm not what I want to be. But I know God, in his love for me, wants to heal the brokenness. And today, I'm going to let's ask him to get to work, to repair my life. Thirdly, he wants to set captives free. You remember when I was talking about pornography and drink and sexual sin.
Maybe somebody here, you just want a simple, simple, we're not going to make a display of it, but you quietly in your heart, you're going to cry out to God, God, I want setting free today. I want you to do that work that you came to do in my life. My life's in bondage. And I want freeing. And then thirdly, um, to comfort, to come alongside. There's maybe somebody here. It just might be a word for you. I was preaching in a little church, much smaller than this. It was in a community center. There were all oldish ladies and all men. It was a, you know, elderly pop, pop. And I just was actually speaking on this very verse. And a lady came to me and says, Graham, you don't know. You don't know, she said. You don't know what that meant to me. She said, I've been married 64 years. And four weeks ago, my husband died. That was a word for me. And she says, not only that, not, not the lady next to me, but the one next, next on in the line. She says, that lady there, her husband has just died as well. It was for her. Because the Lord wanted to comfort her. And strengthen her. Maybe somebody here who just, you've been going through a really hard time. Maybe a bereavement. Maybe something that's really hurting. Something's happened and you're hurting. And Christ comes to you, I want to heal that. And, and I want to strengthen you now for the future. Um, to comfort. And then um, I want to make you an oak. So I'm going to close with a prayer. Uh, uh, God has spoken to you, you might be able to want to respond. You, you might say, right, thank you, I've heard the message, but I want to respond to that message. This is the prayer, if you want to do that. Maybe for somebody here who wants to become a Christian. Dear God, thank you for bringing me here to this church to hear the good news that you love me, that you died for me, that you rose again from the dead, and you want to come and live in my heart. And today I want to receive you. I repent of my sins. And I want to receive you into my life to be my saviour today. Thank you for coming to me. And then there might be some who come to the Lord and say, Lord, I just want to bring this broken life. Will you right now, I, I, I admit it's been hurt, it's been broken, will you repair me? Will you, will, will, will you make my life singing again? Will you put a new hope to my life? A new meaning to me? Will you do that? Will you work in my brokenness? And then there might be some who saying, Lord, when Graham was preaching about pornography and alcohol and sexual sin, I, I, I want you to know, Lord, that was for me. And I just want to say, please now, please now, will you set me free? Will you deliver me with the power of your resurrection right this, today so that I can go home with a spring in my step, I can go home with the absolute despair gone, with a crown of beauty on my life. And I'll live for your glory. And many of us want to say, Lord, wherever we go, Whatever the, our background, we want to pray that last little phrase. Please, Lord, with your life within us, we pray we will display your splendor and your perfect righteousness wherever we go. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
Great. Well, if you uh, prayed that prayer, please uh, let me know. If you prayed, particularly the one to receive Christ, I'd like to pass for those who receive Christ. I'd like to give you my little book. Uh, just come and let me know. And uh, it's a lovely way of saying I really meant business this morning, and I, 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 thankfully I came. I'd like the book. You're just saying that in as many words, asking for the book. And then, of course, there may be some who say, "I just want somebody to pray with me this morning." Uh, you know, I, I, I've got some of those areas I want just to, to pray through. Well, if you just, as people go out, just come and sit on this front row here. And there'll be some of the church uh, leaders will come and, and they'll pray with you and, and just send you out with a song in your voice, you know. And then you, you, you've just sealed it with a prayer. So if you want to pray, please do that. So, great. Thank you for having a weird English man. I hope you understood my accent. It's from Yorkshire. Uh, it, it's like, like, uh, like Texas, actually. As you are. This is my last thing I want to say, okay. Yorkshire's like Texas. Do you know what Yorkshire is in England? The biggest and the best county. <laughs> Thank you. God bless you.